In the last episode, we started on the first half of my favorite of Jesus' teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. And I told you last time that personally, the more of myself I've given over to these words, the more startlingly real Jesus has become to me personally. And I also said that should the worldwide body of Christ ever get totally focused on these words, I believe we would change the world in a week. Well, in this episode, we'll be listening to the second half. And again, rather than cloud our time with my own words or attempts to explain anything, I want you to simply listen to the words of Jesus himself. But I will say this, this last half and really to steal an image from the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, is to me like standing at the edge of the border of a world you know, looking into a world you've only ever dreamed might exist. This last half is a stunningly clear, unable-to-be-missed declarative experience of that kingdom known as the kingdom of heaven. Shall you and I stand right at that frontier? Shall we glimpse what it's like in the kingdom of Jesus' heart? Well, first, let me bring you back up to speed. Because remember, if you had been there on this day, it would have been, I think, because you had heard of Jesus, grown curious about these glorious teachings and also miraculous healings and just his persona, his personality, the way that he cared for those around him. And you went to where you heard he was. You traveled to a town and heard he was out in the countryside. And then you went up through canyons and valleys and over creeks and around ridgelines. And finally, as you came around a bend and saw this upland meadow, you began to climb up through it. And there he was, sitting at the top of the meadow, there on the hillside. And as you and maybe thousands or even who knows tens of thousands of people gather into this natural amphitheater, he begins to teach. And he spoke those glorious words we listened to last week. And as you're sitting there in what we would call the midsection of chapter six from Matthew, what have you heard already? Well, you have heard of those who are blessed by Jesus of Nazareth. You've heard how he came to fulfill, and by his fulfillment, really, to supersede, to draw us into a new law of the heart. You've heard how he's inviting us into an entirely different economy of life, living, and relationship. So as we dive back in, I want to remind you that you would have been sitting there in the tall grass of that mountainside meadow. You would have been straining your whole attention to firmly grasp both intellectually and, more importantly, spiritually, his way as he continues on. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his life's span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, lest you be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Or... What man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, 
However you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, uh, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, uh, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And friends, in that moment, as Jesus says those words and closes by focusing all of human reality upon his words, I want to remind you that it's our experience of hearing these words, pondering them, giving them a deep meditative thought, and then frankly doing them. That's the place in which we find life. That's the place in which we abide in him and he in us, just as he said, by obeying him. So as you listened to that second half of the Sermon on the Mount and came to its close, I hope that just like the original crowds, you yourself were overwhelmed at the authority of his voice, quite unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, that when he speaks, it is as if life is speaking. It is as if life is saying, there is another kingdom. Come and dwell there with me. Thanks for listening.